Ladies and gentlemen, please, make yourselves comfortable. I'm Kent Garrison. And I am Brian Gill. And this is Mad About... Movies! Da-da-da-da-da-da-da! You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy! It's showtime. Mad About Movies is an hour-long conversation concerning all things cinematic. First half of the show, we discuss movie news, movie rumors, movie rumblings, and we talk about what's currently going on in Hollywood and what is piquing our interest. And for the second half of the show, we go over one movie, our chosen movie of the week, and give our review. And as an added bonus, please stay tuned to the end of the show for our weekly recommends, in which we uh, discuss something that you need to check out as soon as you possibly can. This week, we're going to focus our efforts on one movie. What is that movie, Brian? Peter Jackson's adaptation of The Hobbit. I can't just go running off into the blue. I am a Baggins Wait. of Baggins. Philbo, allow me to introduce Philly, Kibi, Oin, Don, Darlin, Barlin, Dory, Dory, Dory. And the leader of our company, Thorin Oakenshield. Or the first part of his adaptation of The Hobbit, which just came out on DVD and Blu-ray this week, so obviously that's timely for us. So, More specifically, the title, sir? Oh. <laughs> I know the there's Hobbit. a lot of Hobbit An unexpected titles journey. Yeah. <laughs> the Hobbit. An and unexpected, unexpected journey. journey. Great. Uh, this one has been out for a while. It just came out on uh, Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, so that's the reason we're revisiting it. Uh, but we've all gotten a chance. I saw it three times in the theaters. I don't know how many times you saw it, Brian. And we'll I think I that. saw it three as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, um, it's the one that I have gotten to revisit, uh, since it came out back out and, uh, lots to talk about. So, yeah. um, I know you were looking forward to this one. It might've been your most, you said most anticipated of 2012 and we'll, we'll uh, talk about that. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll talk about my obsession with the Hobbit. Right. We get, um, yeah. But first, uh, is there anything, Brian, anything? That is piquing your interest in the world of cinema lately. Yeah, well, I think first off the bat, we should uh, we should talk about our fallen comrade who's not here tonight. Uh, we should. We should address uh, Richard. He uh, died. Um, he died. He's tragic. Gone. Tragic diarrhea related incident. Um, yeah. Don't don't uh, mix sleeping pills with laxatives. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a bad idea, guys. Uh, no, uh, Richard had to be a grown up tonight and, uh, and, and go to work. So we're hoping he's going to join us later in the show. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but, but, but. until then, I think we're probably better off. Yeah. I would say, um, uh, probably well, get more accomplished in less time, uh, without him here throwing in Amanda Pete references yeah, and not just horrible opinions on pretty yeah. much everything. I mean, yeah. just spitting, just awful stuff yeah. coming out of his mouth. Pretty much. I really sentence. don't respect anything that he has to say on virtually any front no, so yeah neither did i he's a horrible friend too yeah so yeah. uh don't tweet him don't follow him <laughs> right um anyway <laughs> um he hates stuff he hates movies that are in the woods that's that, true that he take place in the i was woods. looking forward to this so it was awfully convenient that he chose tonight to uh <laughs> yeah. to not make it yeah uh, um, I was but, really looking forward to bringing up the subject of his fear of the woods during this uh, this podcast, and that's yeah. pretty much he'll that's what he'll talk about was it would be the woods. So um, <laughs> we'll leave the woods conversations to uh, to the real men. Maybe we'll do a full podcast on that at some point. We should. Fear, yeah. We should do a cabin in the woods just for him. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, is there anything 
anything, Brian, that's picking your interest in the world of cinema lately? Any blurbs you've seen this week? I know you've been busy too, but uh, yeah, yeah, I uh, I've been pretty uh, swamped this week. The only thing that I really wanted to bring up was, uh, did you see the news about the Jurassic Park Four director? Oh my gosh! Okay, I'm that. sir, this is the first thing I was going to bring up. No <laughs> psych. Great minds, man. I knew you were going to be all over this. So, yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead and spill the news. Sure. Well, uh, Jurassic Park 4 has officially been greenlit. I think that was – that came down a while back. But um, the – they just – this last week or two, I think – because we took a week off between podcasts. But in the last week or two, they announced uh, that the director of Jurassic Park 4 is going to be Colin Trevorrow. I hope I'm saying that right, who uh, was the director of last year's Safety Not Guaranteed, which is one of my favorite movies from 2012. Uh, And I highly recommend that movie, by the way. I'm not going to take more than a second, but it's on Netflix. You need to check it out if uh, if you haven't seen it. It's very fun, uh, very short, real easy to watch, uh, and very enjoyable. So um, anyway, so uh, he's directing Jurassic Park 4, which I think is a great way to go for the for that franchise i think it's always i think it's a great idea to uh bring in a relatively young slash new director um who's shown success with the sci-fi genre and and then put him in charge of something that um let's let's say that it needed some it needs some young fresh new ideas don't you do you agree with that i agree with that and um i wanted to talk about this because i saw the blurb uh the news broke that um, they confirmed a director. When I saw who it was, I hadn't seen Safety Not Guaranteed. And so uh-huh. at that point, I knew it had just been added to Netflix, watched instantly. Yep. I hopped on immediately and watched the movie. And I got to say, it was a great movie. But I got to say, I can't picture him doing a Jurassic Park film. Uh, yeah. It is a very good movie. Uh, great <laughs> filmmaker. He has great sensibilities. Um, really cute, great performances. Um, but, I mean, this, this is kind of the furthest thing from Jurassic Park. You're uh, right. Which You're excites right. me and kind of uh, makes me afraid too. Um, sure. Let me make a, an analogy here. Have you ever seen uh, the movie Moon that came out in 2009? Sam Rockwell, yes. Yes, Sam yeah. Rockwell. Okay, one of my favorite sci-fi movies of the last, uh, I don't know, decade or so. I mean, really, really excellent movie. But very small scale. Um, I think that was done on on like a nothing budget uh, and then the director, Duncan Jones, uh, his second movie was Source Code, which came out, I think, yeah, 2011, yeah. something like that. Um, and it was a much – it was still sci-fi, but it was a much different uh, kind of movie, much bigger scale. So I, I kind of look at it as that, I, at least as far as what the – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut him some slack. You know what I mean? I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, at least until we see how – if it goes poorly right. or something. But um, So that's that's what was on my mind when – when I saw the news come down that he was going to direct Jurassic Park 4. I mean, obviously that's a big step up from uh, Safety Not Guarantee, which I'm sure was made for $3 million, maybe five. Yeah. I mean, it couldn't have been too much more than that. Um, and I would imagine that Jurassic Park 4 will be somewhere between 75 and $150 million, something like that. I mean, just yeah. a huge scale. Um, but I, I like the idea of of turning that over to a guy that has shown an ability to make a good – fresh idea movie uh and then put him in to me it's similar to like i said duncan jones and also uh uh shoot what's the guy's rupert wyatt the guy that did uh rise of the planet of the apes yeah um it's kind of a similar similar thing there so i think it's a good idea um and i i I like 
uh, I think it's Universal that has that property. I like Universal saying instead of going and trying to get uh, either a big name guy like Nolan or goodness even Spielberg or something like that, or going the route of like uh, Schumacher or Michael Bay or something like oh. that. It's kind of kind of done. Uh, I like the I like the concept. I like the idea of giving of giving uh, Trevor Rava a chance with a big a big franchise. Um, the thing to me that's going to be real interesting is is to see what the budget ends up being. Is it going to go John Carter route and go two hundred or two hundred fifty million dollars, or are we going to learn from I think our mistakes? We're going to see a um, first of all, it's going to be in three D. Uh, yeah, so add fifty definitely, million definitely. to whatever budget you have. That's true um, to convert or to shoot in three D. Yeah. Um, uh, so I can imagine it probably being a hundred to one hundred fifty million dollar budget. Um, and them and the, the studio being perfectly comfortable with that, that budget, yeah. I would say they would probably even be comfortable with the $200 million budget knowing yeah. that franchises, um, the, the popularity of the franchise worldwide and, um, Spielberg's name attached still to it. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's worth 200 million alone. Um, yeah. and, uh, on the note of the director, uh, I can, uh, I can think of one of two ways that they, they thought of hiring him mm-hmm. was um a that when they interviewed him he had some great a great vision for what uh Jurassic right. Park 4 should be a great story idea or something that just blew the executives and uh Kathleen Kennedy and the producers out of the water yeah um or they approached every big director that they wanted and they all said no because no direct no big director with a decent name in Hollywood is going to taint their uh, yeah, reputation with a, a the fourth Jurassic Park movie, right? Uh, really. Um, so, uh, what do you think happened there? Uh, yeah, I would, I would like to believe, you know, I would like to believe that that uh, that they thought that the better route would be to go this way, to go with a a slightly lesser known director who at least has shown a track record of being able to do good stuff, rather than. Throwing it at every big name and and coming up empty. I hope that's not the case. Um, I don't know if there's even a script out there for this movie yet, but um, yeah, I I would hope that they or at least that that this was what the plan. You know that they the plan was to go find a a lesser known but a, still a guy that uh, that knows what he's doing. An up and comer. And, yeah. yeah, and up that's a that's exactly that's a great way to put it. The up and comer and go that route. Um, so we'll see. Um, this is a great interest to me. I can't. I know you're a little bit younger than I am, but Jurassic Park. I, think I was, honestly, Brian. Before yeah. you say anything, yeah. Hook and Jurassic Park are the first movies that I have memories of seeing. In the okay. Theaters. Yeah. A vivid, very vivid experience sure. for me to see both of those uh, movies. So yeah. Go ahead. Well, Jurassic Park was. I think I was ten. It was Jurassic my life when I was. I yes. was about. Five, I was about seven. I think seven yeah. or eight. So I was already obsessed with dinosaurs, and so mm-hmm. the fact that this movie came right. out, I was yeah. like, "What?" Yeah, and it was they were dinosaurs on the screen. I mean, that absolutely. Go ahead, go ahead. But that movie, we're, we're going to do uh, a review of that when the three D version yeah. comes out. We're going yeah. to revisit it. So, well, that um, was. I mean, just very shortly, that was that was the most magical moment of my youth as far as movies were concerned. I mean, that was a absolutely. Yeah. What a huge experience that was for me. Um, and then Lost World is pretty bad, but I watched Lost World recently. It's definitely, it, it definitely is bearable. I mean, it's definitely yeah. not a disaster, but it's definitely yeah. not as good as the first. 
It I think, has its moments. It does. Sure. When I first saw it, I, I was blown away. I thought it was incredible. Right. Yeah, the the third or the fourth yeah. act. <laughs> yeah. The, the yeah. random twenty minutes Spielberg adds on the end of, uh-huh. of it just walking through a neighborhood. Yeah. Was I was giddy at that right. age seeing that. Yeah. And yeah. So. So it's not terrible. The third mo- the third one is really bad. Um, Good. Great. And, great premise. Great right. premise. Yes. Great I casting. Totally agree. Horrible. Terrible, horrible horrible script. Yeah. And bad execution. Um. So this is this is a franchise that really it needs the fourth one to be really good because it, not only is it a reboot, but I, I think uh, any fans of the the uh, the original it's not really a trilogy, but the original three movies are are going to be skeptical going in, and so you you need this one to be good. So I anyway I I like the idea of giving uh, if if we're going to go down with, go, go down in flames, then I'd rather go down in flames with. With uh, Colin Trevorov or uh, Trevorrow or uh, Duncan Jones or Rupert White or somebody like that, rather yeah. than uh, I keep saying Schumacher. Sorry if Joel Schumacher's listening. I don't mean to keep trashing you, buddy, but uh, you made Batman a Robin, so you kind of deserve it. Um, he hasn't really done anything since. I don't right, know, worthwhile. But you know what I mean. Somebody yeah. like that that like doesn't really have the any sort of youth, any sort of uh, fresh ideas, anything yeah, like that. Yeah, They're just totally. there to kind of. They, they, they think they know what the kids like, but they don't. Right, yeah. right, right. So if we're gonna go, if we're it's gonna burn down and not be awesome, I'd like it to be not awesome with some with taking a chance with somebody like this, you know. Or it could be disappointing. It could ruin uh, Trevor's career. And, That's uh, true. We don't get any more. He doesn't get greenlit for any more good films. Yeah, but it's uh, kind of. I would have liked to see the Ryan Johnson from Looper uh, direct. Yeah. It. Yeah, he's so weird though, dude. Like he has he's great. He has great sensibilities though. He yeah. doesn't. He does not release a movie unless it's yeah. great. Well, um, and I think he's a guy that he's not going to do a movie unless he yeah, came unless up he comes up with it. it the I whole just time. think for what he did with sci-fi uh, in Looper, I think, oh absolutely. Um, he 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 definitely knows what the kids like. So yeah, um, yeah, and he's a, he's a smart guy. This is kind of a win-win though for Trevor off because Trevor Rowe because uh, he's going to get a big paycheck. Um, you got a, you got a German to, pronunciation there on Trevor. Yeah, I know. Trevor I'm off. killing it. Um, but uh, he's going to get a big paycheck. He's going to get an opportunity to direct a big, a big feature film with a franchise and all that stuff. And if it doesn't work out, then he can just go back to making five million dollar movies. I mean, it's not going to. I don't think it's something that even if this tanks badly, it's not going to ruin his career. It might keep him from making big movies, tentpole movies again. But. Um, you know, this is an opportunity to take a chance, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and he'll be he'll be back to making smaller movies, you know, in a couple of years, and he'll be all right, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, good stuff. I, I'm glad. I'm glad we got to bring that up. It's gonna be exciting. Uh, I'm sure the details are gonna be coming out, plot details, and all that casting. Right. Uh, really soon. I'm hearing that they're gonna get a lot of the originals maybe back. I know that they tried be- getting Sam Neill, but I hear they're. Maybe it's going to try to get Goldblum back. Um, that would be great. Yeah. So that would be awesome. Uh, I thought I'd seen maybe, that they were. I thought they were going to get David Attenborough too. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, Hopefully. I thought I'd seen that they were going to maybe start shooting that in like June or something. Very like. soon. Yeah. Very soon. This summer. It's, it's. We should be getting details pretty soon. So that's yeah. exciting. It's, it's a project stuff. that's been in development. We should say. Yeah. Spielberg's wanted to do since, it forever. So since the day, the weekend that Jurassic Park three came out, it's been in mm-hmm. development. And yeah. so the fact that it's, it is going to come out is exciting because they always said they're not going to do it unless it is an idea that they could all get behind. And one idea yeah. that I should mention that Spielberg has mentioned. You know, in Jurassic Park one, whenever uh, Wayne Knight's character uh, gets 
spit by the spitter. Yeah. And he uh, falls down and uh, ultimately gets eaten, but his Jeep right. is left behind, and the, uh-huh. bar- the Barbasol can uh-huh. uh, is left behind with all the DNA on yeah. the island, and it gets covered by mud. Uh, Spielberg, Spielberg said the whole reason he did that shot was to set up a sequel, that there's nice. still DNA there. And they never did that in Jurassic Park, The Lost World, because he ended up going with Michael Crichton's uh, story, yeah. where there's a separate island altogether. Right. Uh, so who knows? I guarantee you that's the first scene we see in Jurassic Park 4 is somebody discovering that <laughs> and that's going to get me so excited yeah uh, I, I'm excited man you know what I, I'm saying I, yeah I, I'm with you and I, I'm excited about this I know I think it's real easy to trash on this because it's you know the fourth movie uh, you know a, a sequel a sequel that's coming out like 12 years after the last movie came out and the last movie was terrible so I think it's real easy to trash on this but I'm excited and I I'm at least willing to to give it the benefit of the doubt and find out a little more about it before I before I go into trash mode. So, yep, uh, absolutely. Um, I wanted to mention some news, um, comic book news. I know you're into comic books like me, uh, comic oh, yeah. book, comic mm, book, um, comic book movies, comic book culture, and all that. Um, <laughs> I got a chance today. Uh, it leaked online um, through some. I don't know if you saw this through some video cameras that people had in theaters, but uh, I, I, got, I got a chance to snag it off the internet, the um, Edgar Wright Ant-Man uh, pr- preview. Uh, oh, okay. The, the um, concept footage for Ant-Man. All right. Um, so I got a chance to see it, and what it is is basically it, it's like a hallway, and the uh, camera zooms up on a vent, and you see a small little Ant-Man, like the size of an ant, uh, jump out from the vent, and basically, uh, there's an elevator in this hallway, and basically he fights off two security guards and goes in the elevator. Okay. Uh, but he's transforming his size the whole time, going from small to big, um, and it looks awesome. Let me just say that. Um, I would greenlight a movie. I would greenlight a movie um, based on the uh, concept footage alone. It is out there. Um, you have to look hard for it. It has been pulled off YouTube. Everything yeah. I've seen, it says copyright Disney Corporation. Right. Um, so, uh, Brian, I'll send you a copy so you can see okay. it. But, but um, Google it if you can. Check it out. Uh, Ant-Man is coming soon. Um, Edgar Wright is one of my favorite new directors. Uh, hasn't really yeah. let me down yet. Uh, really, really excited after I saw this. Um, because it's one of those characters that you look on the comic book and you're like, that would never work on screen because that's too cheesy. Um, but I think... Christopher Nolan and uh, everyone else has proven that comic books uh, don't have to be cheesy. So yeah. um, thoughts on Ant-Man. Do you know anything about it? I know very, very little about Ant-Man. He was one of those ancillary characters that I don't uh... – He does become part of the Avengers. I'll, yeah. I would say that he, in the yeah. comic books. And so. I saw – I don't know. At some point in the recent past, I uh, I was hanging out with like a – a friend's nephew, you know, or something like that. And he was watching like an Avengers cartoon that was on Netflix yep. and Ant-Man was a big player. Yeah. In he's that. on the new Avengers cartoon series called okay. Avengers Mightiest Hero, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what um, it is. Yeah. He is, and Wasp and uh, the girl, yeah. the Wasp yeah. is on there too. Uh, so, so yeah, so I didn't really grow up, I didn't really grow up uh, reading comics or anything like that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm strictly into the comic book movie. Okay. Uh, genre. So, I, but I, you know, I knew a little bit just about. Uh, I know the, about his presence, but I, I can't tell you um, much about his story or or his skill or anything. But I'm with you, Ed. I, I really like Edgar Wright a lot, and I think 
that's the kind of director that I want yeah. to be making uh, mo- uh, you know, comic book movies about these sorts of, of smaller characters. I want, I want Joss Whedon for the Avengers, but I really like the idea of, of Edgar Wright or uh, for a while, you know, remember Darren Aronofsky was rumored to right, yeah. the Wolverine movie, things like that. I like that idea. I'm glad that they, they snagged um, – what's his name? James Gunn for Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. Yeah. That's going to be amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Matthew Vaughn, incredible mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. X-Men, uh, just good. Zack Snyder, you know, those, yeah. these guys that just, they're gritty, but they, and they're taking on these comic book characters that, you know, it's not going to be some cheesy thing, um, with right. any of these guys. Um, I'm glad that's the trend right now in Hollywood for superheroes. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I, I was hoping for a Scott Pilgrim sequel, but <laughs> I guess we're going to have to wait on that. Um. For now, uh, so check out the Ant Man footage if you can. If you can Google it, uh, try to do it ASAP because yeah. um, I'm it's sure Disney Disney has said they're going to release it eventually. It probably won't be for a while, I would guess. Yeah. I'm looking at IMDb right now, and it, the movie itself is not scheduled to come out until 2015. So okay, yeah, we're, we're they don't have. I don't think they've even cast Ant Man himself yet. So no, I, I don't think it's they have either. Way early in the game, this uh, the footage that that uh, that you're talking about. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy is shooting this summer, though, um, in yeah. London. And I will yeah. be in London this summer. So if you see me in Guardians of the Galaxy, don't be surprised. All right. <laughs> just try to just try to get in there as one of the main like, – well, like, not the main character. I mean, you know, but like one of the background characters. Yeah, that, Rocky, Rocket yeah, Raccoon, you know. Yeah. That would really help this podcast a lot, Kent, I feel it, like. It so. would. And, and don't <laughs> – uh, and uh, I've been – Trying to learn all I can about Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm not going to lie uh, yeah. for the movie. So if you know anyone, uh, tweet me or, or email me. Uh, if you know anyone that can sell me Guardians of the Galaxy 1 through 25, um, the comic books. I've been searching eBay, and the cheapest I found is like a couple hundred bucks for wow. the 25. So it's very high in demand right now. Um, people all trying to trying to re- do their research. Um so, yeah, get into it. Uh, the, the actual Marvel is rebooting the series, the comic book series, and it's coming out next week, issue number one. So you still have time to catch up and to get familiar nice. uh, with it. Because it's going to be – I read the first uh, the kind of preview issue, uh, point one, that they j- released last week, and uh-huh. I'm already hooked. It, uh, characters just jump off the page. It's a really exciting premise, really exciting storyline. I'm glad Chris Pratt's in it, involved. Yeah. Uh, James Gunn. I, I, it's can't miss, really. So um, Good. excited. Excited. Anything else you want to mention for movie news before we move on to our review, sir? Man, I don't have anything else. Sorry, I've been out of cool. the out of the movie loop the last couple of weeks. So, well, we'll save it for another day then. All right. Um, well, let's talk about The Hobbit: An Unexpected Journey. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad 
That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Tell it through to town when you come back. Can you promise that I will come back? No. And if you do, you will not be the same. Okay, Brian. Um, tell me about uh, The Hobbit. Um, tell me about your anticipation. Just talk to me. Give me your general thoughts about The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey. Sure. Um, I grew up with... <laughs> My dad was a science fiction writer uh, growing up. Wow. My parents played... This. Yeah, uh, you know, amateur, but he spent a lot of his time uh, writing sci-fi. My parents played Dungeons and Dragons on oh. a, if not... So basically you had the best parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, super nerdy, n- super nerdy upbringing. Um, you know, the first, until my brother was born, my brother is like four and a half years younger than I am. Until he was born, we were pretty much at, I mean, like every weekend was at some sort of sci-fi convention or, <laughs> or playing Dungeons and Dragons or whatever, um, just little things like that. So that's to say I was raised on two pop culture things, and that was Star Wars and The Hobbit. Um, okay. I have probably read The Hobbit, I would guess, two or three. Three dozen times, maybe. Wow! Um, I, was, I thought you were going to say two or three, and that would be no. Impressive. I uh, I read The Hobbit a bunch. I own about a dozen different copies of The Hobbit that I've picked up over the years. Um, and to take it to a whole nother nerdy level, um, we had this. Uh, it was as an audio play, basically, that was released on BBC Radio back in the. Probably the '60s, maybe the yeah. '70s. I don't know. Yeah, no, um, I know you're exactly what you're yeah. talking about. The cartoon well, I had that. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It was an audio version. I had the cartoon, oh, of course, yeah, like yeah. everybody. But it was a is an audio tape that uh, was on like four or six tapes or something like that. And we had a Lord of the Rings as well. I have the Lord um, of the Rings one. I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. Yeah, and I, I listened to those. <laughs> yeah, I listened to those constantly. Um, like for I don't know, probably eight years of my life. Every night I went to – until I discovered sports, I went to bed with <laughs> um, play, listening to The Hobbit and or, or Lord of the Rings. So all that to say, I have n- – if there has ever been a movie in my life that I have anticipated more 
than this one. Uh, it was, I would say Phantom Menace is probably the only thing that has ever topped uh, The Hobbit as far yeah. as just, I cannot wait for this, I cannot wait for this. And, you know, for, More than The for, Avengers? Oh, by far. Uh, I mean, I was very excited about The Avengers, but The Avengers was like, Again, well, yeah, I really wasn't like a, comic said, book guy. a comic book guy. Yeah. yeah, and so I mean, the Avengers was kind of like a a new thing. You know, that was a that was a an excitement that had been building for like five years or maybe seven years, something like that. You know, uh, the Hobbit. Even I'm, I'm 30 years old now, and even at 30, it was like childlike glee. You know, for the like six months leading up to the Hobbit of just it's coming, it's finally going to be here, it's finally going to be here. Um, yeah, and so. <laughs> there's no possible way that any movie could ever live up to that sort of uh, <laughs> anticipation and that sort of hype, okay. you know? All right. Um, yeah. There's well, no possible kind of, way. Kind of a high, uh, high bar to set. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. no way any there's movie no way. could ever it's, yeah, meet. It's, uh, it, it's uh, totally unfair and obscene that I was that excited about it. Um, but this really is, uh, I said, okay, when the trailer, this shows you how weird the movie industry is. When the trailer for the for this first installment of The Hobbit came out in, I want to say March of last year, yeah, uh, uh, something like that, I wrote on my blog that the only way that I could be more excited about a movie is that if is if uh, George Lucas announced <laughs> that he was going to do a re- another trilogy, do a, another trilogy of Star Wars. <laughs> With but the that original he wasn't going to have anything to do with it. That just, <laughs> you know, somebody the irony, else, sir. Yeah, and so you know, lo and behold, six or eight months later, that exactly that exact same thing happened. So, right. uh, but anyway, uh, this is a this is a movie that I look forward to happening since the time I was I don't know five years old. You know, I mean, it, it's a this was sort of a dream come true. I, when the and 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 as such, when the opening credits rolled. And we can talk about the. Let's talk uh, about it. Uh, yeah, we can. T- <laughs> we can well, talk about the trilogy aspect and the the negative parts of this and all this. But when the opening credits started in the movie, when the lights went down, the opening credits roll. I literally, and it's a midnight showing. I literally sat there with a huge grin on my face and almost was giggling to myself because it was just I, a. Yeah, I was. Uh, it's a dream come true in a weird, really lame kind of way, you know. Yeah. I I um I felt the same way. I saw it at midnight. Uh, IMAX 3D actually. Um, really really crowded. I actually t- was with a girlfriend of mine, not my girlfriend, but a girlfriend of mine. Um, and it was so crowded that we didn't even get to sit together. <laughs> so <laughs> I sat pretty much by myself. Nice. Uh, in the movie, and um, I had just right before the movie started, I j- had no idea. That it was going to happen, but I just saw the Star Trek Into Darkness eight-minute prologue yeah. in IMAX 3D, mind you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Great so pick. I, and so I almost left the theater um, <laughs> because I was like, "That's." And we we were going to talk about Into Darkness whenever it comes yeah. out, but that movie is going to be a <laughs> freaking amazing. There's, totally. yeah. it, I, my mind was melted at that point. Yeah. I was like, "How how is this happening?" Um, and so I, I agree with you right when it started, um, I was so happy. Um, it didn't let me down, um, at the beginning really at all. Um, what were your overall impressions of the movie? I know you said you were looking forward to it. Um, so what were your impressions? Yeah, I've seen it. Uh, I think I've talked before. I don't see movies in the, in the theater more than once or hardly ever. It's just not, 
something that I have time to do. Um, but I did. I saw that. I saw The Hobbit three times because I really wanted to. I was a little disappointed after the first viewing. But again, it was. I really feel that was based entirely on. I've the been fact looking that you had read the books. For, yeah. Oh yeah. Twenty five times. The, yeah, exactly. It's, and been, it's honestly been ten years since I read The Hobbit. Yeah. Uh, so I was going in blind. I was. I mean, I refreshed myself. Right. Um, on the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I watched the extended sure. edition. I think two days before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to be honest. I had no cinematic desire whatsoever to return to Middle Earth. Um, at that point, I think I had had 12 hours of, Uh, of Lord of the Rings movies. Um, so I thought all that could be done, had been done there. Um, mm. but I will say that, um, I was surprised, very pleasantly surprised by it. Um, I'm glad to hear that because I feel like a lot of people were kind of crapping on the movie and I, I don't get that. I gave it an A. Now I will say this. I don't think that it's one that, I think the Lord of the Rings movies, anybody, or close to anybody could watch it. And even if they don't like it, they could appreciate um, what's being done with those three movies. Um, The Hobbit, I think, is one that is more geared towards the fans of the book and of fantasy in general and the Lord of the Rings series. I don't think it's nearly as universally appealing as the Lord of the Rings movies are. But that said, if you are any sort of a fan of those movies or the the books or anything like that, um, I kind of don't get – if you're a fanboy of of, uh, of The Hobbit, the, the book, and of the Lord of the Rings movies that Peter Jackson made previously, I kind of don't get how you cannot like – Yeah, um, it's literally this. the same stuff. I mean it, yeah. it's, it fits perfect with the other trilogy. Sure. It's, I mean it's – I don't see how – Anyone can complain, like you said, if Peter Jackson's um, in charge. I mean, he hasn't let us down. I mean, his Lord of the Rings trilogy is a masterpiece. There's no, really no other word to describe that. It's just yeah. flawless, really. Um, it's spot on. I mean, every aspect of those films is exactly how you picture it in your head when you're reading the novels. Uh-huh. Part of that yep. is because Tolkien is such a descriptive writer. Part of that is because... Peter Jackson respects Tolkien's work and um, is so familiar with New Zealand and so sure. many so many things contribute to it. Well, um, I would even argue I would even go so far as to argue that the that the movies are better than the books are. And that's, I, that's I a, can agree. I can honestly say that. Uh, that's a rare thing to say. Definitely but, for the Lord of the Rings novels. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. For, for those maybe for not sure. for the Hobbit, not the Hobbit we haven't thing. seen it yet. Yeah. 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 But as far as just this movie goes, and then I'd like to talk about just the tr- the whole trilogy aspect and all that stuff. Sure. Um, but as far as this movie goes, I really like it a lot, and I saw it three times in the theater. Where I this? Let me ask you this: and, and watched it uh, yesterday, and I I stand I gave it an A when I reviewed it, and I stand by that. I think it's a very I think it's a very good movie. It's not perfect. It's not flawless. It's not a masterpiece like the uh, the original trilogy is. But um, but it's a it's a I really enjoy it. From a fan, if you're a fan of the book, if you're a fan of that sort of movie, I don't know how you can't uh, if you, you can't enjoy it. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this: Where on your Tolkien or Peter Jackson list does it rank? Uh, ranking it uh, them with the other movies. It's it's definitely it's four. fourth. Yeah, but I will. I, I feel like it's important to say because of the trilogy aspect of it, I don't feel like you can completely. I don't feel like you completely rank or grade 
this movie until you see the whole thing together, until all three pieces are together. I don't think it's fair to uh, judge it so much based on you're only getting a third of the story, you know, Um, and, and so a it, very a very extended version of that story. Yes, um, yes. and honestly, part, parts of which are don't appear in the novels yes. that I know of whatsoever. Right. And you can probably attest to that more than I can. But Azog, oh, def- the White Orc, uh, yes. I, I believe yeah. I don't believe he was at all in the um, in the novels. No, he wasn't. I think that's, that was a Peter Jackson fabrication. Yeah, um, and, and he'll that's done. I didn't love that part to be honest with you. I didn't love that aspect, but um, I I. I anticipate that it's going to be I anticipate that this is how he's setting up the third film that he's going to use this a lot uh later on in the trilogy epic battle or something yes yeah because if you're familiar with the books there's a at the towards the end of the of the book um there's a the what they call the battle of the five armies and it includes uh uh, in the book it's a goblin army I anticipate that that the the white orc will be the leader of of whatever army comes because to fight. Because the Goblin King, no spoiler here, or actually a spoiler alert coming up right now. Goblin King dies in the right. Hobbit. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Um. So I got like I agree with you. The first part of this movie is so tight, so well done. Um, I think it's way better than Fellowship of the Ring, um, as far as setting up the story. Uh, the first act, I would say. Um. Like the prologue sequence with the narration does a much better job than the first one did. Um, um, I would disagree with you, but I don't. I mean, I, I don't I, think I, I, I felt. I felt. I mean, I was more familiar with the Lord of the Rings going into it. Sure. And I was more interested at that point. And I was maybe it was because I was so young, but there were uh-huh. overall I felt felt like Fellowship of the Ring was just. Um, it's my fourth on my list. Okay. Um, just because. I feel like Peter Jackson, maybe it was his first first attempt into Tolkien's world. He, I can obviously tell now that it was the first one. Um, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Now it just seems way more polished. He knows how to set up a trilogy. He, um, he, he gives us more visuals this time um, to explain what had happened to um, – to Erebor,n you know, than he did last time. He, I think, mm-hmm. it was just a, a woman narrating last time, just telling about the stuff, and it was less sh- actually showing you hap- it happening. Probably that a well, lot has to do a lot with budget. Yeah, um, but um, I really was engaged at the beginning here. Um, the um, the dinner scene where the the dwarfs, I guess, mm-hmm. and uh, the other guys meet with Bilbo. Yeah. Um, I can say that is classic. That that will go down as one of the classic scenes in cinematic history. I think. Um, yeah, well, it, it, it's, and it's just um, perfect way to um, introduce those characters. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I love Fellowship of the Ring. Um, I honestly, I think Fellowship of the Ring is my favorite. Of I love the- it too. I love it too. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, but, but I'm I, saying yeah. But I know that it's, compared well, to the other three, it's definitely the most slow. Um, yeah, I yeah, I would agree with that. Sure. You can agree with that, yeah. Sure, but I do think too. There's a lot. Of, there were a lot of reviews that I read that that did not appreciate this setup for this movie either, and felt like it was too slow. Um, I loved it. Well, I was Brian, totally everyone is entitled it. to their own opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, totally, totally, totally. Um, <laughs> uh, but I personally, I, I thought it was great. I'm with you. I thought it was a a great setup. As far um, as building up the anticipation of smog, I think it did a great job. Yes, uh, not I, showing you the dragon, showing you the shadow. The terrorism that he brings, 
Um, and so you have that to look forward to, you know, um, and, uh, you know that you know the goal at that point, right? Um, the whole point of the three movies is going to be take back the city, destroy right. the dragon. That's yeah. it. You know, it's so simple. Um, so yeah, I love the introducing characters um, scene, and I what I really like about Peter Jackson is the way he takes things that you can only read in Tolkien books, and you might even skim over uh-huh. uh, things like the songs. Yes. Um, he, he, he uses those to great effect, and, and whenever they're singing Missing the Mountain Cold um, yeah. in um, Bilbo's house, you're just like, wow. And it's just one of those moments where you're like, now I know what Tolkien was doing. Right, here, and, you know? and from a, speaking from, again, having read the, <laughs> read the book like 25 times or something, uh, that is 100%, that is exactly what I had in my mind. Um, coming in, which that doesn't, that doesn't hardly ever happen. You know, when you, especially if you've read a book more than, more than once, uh, if you really love a book and you, you keep digging further and further into it and then finally they make a movie, it's almost always a letdown just from the standpoint of, well, that wasn't really what I pictured, but it was, you know, whatever. Um, the, the introduction of the characters, the dinner scene, and especially moving into the, the singing, um, before they depart on their journey is, uh, is straight out of the book and it's, uh, utterly delightful <laughs> in my opinion for yeah. for anyone for, for me again fans and yeah for, for Tolkien yeah. fans yeah um so I I, I love that that aspect of it um I do think the two complaints that I had about the movie um one one has I've I've decided that it's not a complaint it's just a something that I had to come to grips with the Hobbit is as a book is much more childlike than the Lord of the Rings mo- uh, books are yeah. um, has a lot I, more I, whimsy to it. It's a lot more fun. It's just, overall. it is, it is. And it's a kid's book. Uh, the, the Hobbit is written basically for kids. Whereas Lord of the Rings, Lord I feel Rings like is adults, written yeah. for adults, you know, I, I, agree um, I did the same thing as you. I think I finished watching the extended edition of return of the King after having watched, you know, all three of the movies, like the day before I went to see this, or maybe the night that I, I went think to I see finished the return movie. of the King, the afternoon of the midnight premiere. I, so. I think I may have done the same thing. And so the first time I watched it and the, I watched all the production diaries online, which is great. <laughs> yeah. We should mention that. Oh, thank you, Peter Jackson for yes. releasing those. Uh, Absolutely. Re- for those of you who don't know, he releases like once a month while he's making a movie, he releases about a 10 minute video just showing you behind the scenes stuff. And so right. by the time the movie comes out, you basically have an hour long documentary about yeah. the production of the film without giving away any spoilers or details, uh, right. plot details. And it was awesome. So thank you, Peter. Go ahead. Absolutely. No, I, I was just going to say, I think it took me the first time I watched the Hobbit. Um, I was a little disappointed in the tone of the movie. And then after having watched it and thought more about it, I, you know, it's, it's a different tone. It's a little bit less serious than, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies are. And so I think people who, and I was, I, I'm, I'm saying that I was one of these people were expecting it to be exactly like Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, as far as the tone and the, uh, the way that everything is presented and then got a slightly more lighthearted, uh, take on everything I would say in the Hobbit and we're disappointed by that. Um, that's the book. I mean, that's, yeah, that's there's a difference you, yeah. between those, you know, those two things. And so after I kind of came to grips with that, I was totally fine with, with that choice. So I would say the only thing that I really was, uh, was bothered by or disappointed by throughout this movie, um, was the, 
I felt like there was an over-reliance on CGI that maybe didn't need to happen. Um, I, one of the things I love about Lord of the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is that there, anything that could be done with props and makeup was done with props and makeup. Um, this movie, I felt like the, the, like the, the, the white orc was obviously super CGI. Um, all the right. other goblins. And I heard that the white orc CGI. was not, was not mocap either. It was stri- stri- yeah. strictly CGI. And I think that had something to do with the, Yeah. And I think you can tell, um, the disconnect there. Yeah. yeah. And I think you can tell it looked a little more like, not like a video game. That's not cause I, I, it wasn't quite to that extreme by any means, but um, it wasn't as lifelike and real as I feel like the the Lord of the Rings trilogy is. And I I'm always disappointed when people go. I understand. I I have no problem with CGI. I think it um, there's a lot that you can do with CGI that you can't do with um, with props and makeup and whatever else. Um, but I just it disappoints me a little bit, I guess, every time I see a movie where scenes that I felt like could have been done with a, you know, in a standard way of filming by actually having an actor there, you know, in a in makeup or with props, whatever, and it's done in CGI, that disappoints me a little bit. And so I wasn't expecting that coming into this movie because I felt like Peter Jackson did bounce, made the balance of CGI and and and, uh, and human actors perfectly in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And it wasn't quite to that same degree of balance this time around. And that, that kind of disappointed me a little bit. Yeah, um, I can agree there. I Honestly, my first impressions coming out of the movie was, wow, that was um, two great scenes. Uh, oh. Great scenes meaning the dinner scene and the Bilbo meeting yes. uh, Smeagol. Um, Riddles in the dark. Two, yeah, two great, great scenes mixed uh with some cgi in between yeah uh, that's how i honestly I felt that, yeah. um, uh, there's two scenes that are worth the price of the ticket yeah um, the rest is just um stuff that you've seen in all the lord of the rings movies great um cgi like the um like mm-hmm. the first fellowship of the ring where they're building the orc army i mean you get the same thing here with the goblins i mean yeah. it's the same underground cave it's done sure. to a much much higher scale um, uh-huh. And the CGI is way better, um, looks more real, but it's just obviously um, – It's obviously – You're not CGI. tricking anyone, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would say as they're moving forward, the one thing that I hope Peter Jackson focuses on is making the the battle scenes and the, the fighting um, more realistic um, uh-huh. and more – a little more gritty. To me, that's one of the great – that's one of the great parts about the Lord of the Rings trilogy is it takes this fantasy and it's, you know, obviously this isn't actually happening and it's a, you know, it's set in middle earth and all this sort of thing. But the battle scenes in those movies, particularly in fellowship of the ring are hardcore and they are very, yeah. uh, realistic. Um, the, in fellowship, when Boromir, um, spoiler alert meets his untimely end, that's one of the most, um, harrowing scenes I've ever I've ever been a part of in an action movie or a an adventure like that, and I feel like that was definitely lacking um, in the Hobbit. Like for instance, when they're when they're breaking out when the the dwarves and Gandalf are breaking out of the Goblin Lair, um, it's all very 
CGI and kind of com not quite comical, but very light. Um, you know, they're swinging swords like ninjas and, you know, things like that. Um, I hope that as the, these movies progress and we get into a little bit more serious fare that he'll bring back the, um, the more serious, the more realistic brand of, of fighting that we had in the, in the original trilogy. Cause I felt like that gave the movies a little more weight, um, than, than what the Hobbit has, if that makes sense. I think we're going to get that. Um, definitely some point in this trilogy, we're going to get those battle scenes. I don't think Peter Jackson would do this without, without yeah. that because he knows what the fans like. I think we're going to get that whenever Legolas comes along. Uh, sure. Uh, apparently in there and back again, the last one, uh, we're yeah. going to get Legolas. So, um, lots to look forward to in this trilogy for sure. Um, I like, like you said, I loved the comedy aspect of this movie. Um, I wish he would have given us more, um, more serious stuff, um, yeah. but but not to the degree he gave it to us. I mean, he gave us the comedy, but then the serious stuff he gave us. I mean, it's essential to the story. I understand, but the mm-hmm. the stuff with um, in um, oh, I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, Rivendale. Yeah, there's a, there's about a thirty or forty minute scene where it's just Gandalf and the elves talking, mm-hmm. and it really is that long, and it just drags bad um i mean we want serious stuff and i know that that's in the probably in the novels um but uh it it came at a bad time for me and it really slowed things down and right but right after that i mean we get the um right the them leaving they get the epic score and then uh all going on the epic shot of them on top of the mountain from afar that huge helicopter shot sure uh, that that signature lord of the rings peter jackson shot of them going on their journey. Um, the chills just go down your spine when that stuff yeah. happens. That's just yeah. when, when the score and the scenery, the cinematography and the story all come together like that is great. And we got, after that, we got some great CGI. We got the, um, the scene where they're on the mountain and the rocks are being hurled at them and they're falling off the cliff. And then we, uh-huh. get the, and then we get, um, Bilbo meeting Smeagol. Talk, talk to me about that scene. The, the Gollum. Yeah. Scene. Uh, riddles in the dark is, it, that's hands down. That's my favorite scene of any movie from 2012. And I don't know if that's, if it really is that good. I, I don't know. But from a, just from again, super Hobbit nerd in me um, standpoint, that was uh, an incredible scene. And that is almost, almost line for line out of the book. Um, and it's, yeah. it's a, there are probably better scenes this year. Uh, storming the compound in Zero Dark Thirty is probably a better scene. Um, maybe the scene in Argo when uh, when uh, the the guy kind of steps up, the guy who's been coward cowardly throughout the whole thing, steps up and saves their their butts. Um, it's pretty great. There's a whole bunch of great scenes in the year. Um, that was my favorite. The Django I, Unchained um, bar scene. Yeah, yeah, where, that's where another the, good one. Yeah, the, they had to go get the sheriff. Make sure, sure. you get the sheriff. Not yeah. The, yeah, not the uh, Texas Ranger or whatever. Right. Go ahead. Yeah, those are all good. But the but rumors in the or riddles in the dark was was my favorite, and I thought that Jackson hit that perfectly. And I also thought uh, should mention Martin Freeman did an incredible job as Bilbo. He did. Um, that's a that's a tough. I'm a, a character honest- that is that beloved to bring that to life so many years down the road is is really tough. And he did a great job with it. And I thought that it it it. it at no point in the movie was he better than in uh, than in that sequence, as he's talking with Gollum and um, and trying to negotiate his way out of 
the situation without getting eaten. Uh, it was a great, great moment. My favorite scene of the year by far. Yeah, um, I agree. Like that, the CGI alone in that scene, um, you know that they shot the the Gollum stuff. Very first thing they shot was the mocap for Gollum. Yeah. So I mean, they spend the entire length of the production honing down the CGI on that, and it is jaw dropping um, mm-hmm. how good they have gotten to make him look real. I mean, he was real to me in this in this movie, the closest it's ever been. Um, just incredible detail there. And uh, great work. Um, I think we should mention, though, the SNL parody. Did you see that? Yes. The, making fun of all the Hobbit titles. It's funny yes. because oh, yes, one, yes. Of them was called, <laughs> yeah. one of them was called Hobbit 14. Hold on. I left something back at the Shire. Mind <laughs> yeah. if we double back? Yeah. And there's actually, yeah. ironically, in the movie, Bilbo, right when he goes on the journey, says, uh-huh. hold on, hold on. We gotta we gotta turn right. around. I left I forgot my handkerchief. a handkerchief. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just um, funny skit. Check that out if you can. Um, but um, I can see why they're making fun of it because right. they're stretching it out. But I mean, I would honestly be disappointed if this wasn't a trilogy. You know? <laughs> yeah, and and that's the thing. I, that's that was something I wanted to to bring up and see how see what your opinion was on. But to me. Um, the <laughs> I've watched those Lord of the Rings movies, the extended editions. I watch them two or three times a year, the whole thing. It's like 13 oh, so or 14 I, yeah. hours, yeah. you know, and I love it. Um, so it was a little weird to me that everybody got so up in arms about um, him stretching this movie into – or this book into three movies. Um, I guess the, you know, the, the general argument was you know, the book's only like 230 pages long and you're going to make three movies out of it. That's, right. that's the, insane. Greg Gatsby, I just finished Greg Gatsby because uh-huh. um, it's coming out. Yeah. I, read it, I read it in probably three days and it's about yeah. 200 pages. Right. So imagine stretching that out into three films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Exactly. But my my feeling on that was I want him to cover everything. Um, and so if that's if it takes three movies to do that, then I'm okay with that. Um, I have no no problem with that. And and to to argue the other side of it for for just a second, um, I may have said this before on the podcast. I think I did on the radio, but. Um, to me, all the complaints that people had about The Dark Knight Rises last year could have been fixed by turning that into two movies. Um, I, can t- I can honestly say that's exactly true. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, all like the plot holes and stuff, we could have fixed that, but it would have taken two more movies. Well, everybody would have thrown a huge fit if that would have happened. They would have turned into, I, I, oh, he's I, just I, trying to get as much money as they can. He's trying to milk it for all it's worth and all this. Um, so, So my argument to that is... If it's going to take three movies for Peter Jackson to get out everything of The Hobbit that's there to get out of it, then I want him to take three movies, and I'm yeah. okay with that. You know, I agree. Yeah, do whatever you need to tell a story. I, yeah, yeah. And I uh, and I think I think we can't really personally believe we can't completely judge this movie until you see all three parts of it and can really see it as a whole and know here's the beginning, here's the end. Now, what do you think about this one nine-hour movie rather than these three? three-hour movies, you know? I mean, I know that's how I feel with Lord of the Rings. I think of Lord of the Rings as one gigantic 13- or 14-hour-long movie. Um, And in two years, I'll feel the same about The Hobbit. And, you know, I I wonder if... I guess my my point is I wonder if the people who who gave The Hobbit a bad review or uh, graded it poorly or whatever, I wonder how they'll feel about it as a whole when it's all out there for us all to see rather than just the first third of, of a very long story. Yeah. I think a lot of people will come around. I know 
that happened with the Lord of the Rings. Whenever the Return of the King came out, it turned a lot of people's heads. I mean, the Academy even. Yeah. Uh, just saying, wow, as a whole, this this thing is great. You know. Yeah. Um, so we got a lot of look, lots to look forward to in this trilogy. Sure. Um, uh, Necromancer. Um, yeah. Is going to be good. Good. Played by um, Sherlock Holmes himself, Benedict yep. Cumberbatch. If you didn't know, he was a necromancer. Yep. And how small. great is that, man? That's going to be awesome. That's going to be great. Um, really looking forward to that. Um, yeah. Um, what did you think about the Radagast stuff? I don't. I don't think you mentioned it. Um, yeah, the whole I, I, story I thought it was there. cool, and I, I expected that part of it um, coming in. I, you know, having read the book a billion times, I expected that the necromancer and therefore Radagast would be a big part of this trilogy. Then it's not at all a part of the books of the book. Um, he in the book, uh, he mentions Gandalf mentions Radagast and mentions the necromancer, but that is it. There's nothing about that story in there. Um, and which if you don't know, I can't, I'm sure you know this, but if, in case you don't, or our listener know the necromancer is, is, uh, is Sauron. Um, yeah. that's his person, his, earthly personification at this point. And so he turns into Sauron. So that's going to be a huge part of either the second or third movie. But anyway, as far as Radagast was, I thought it was fine. It was a little bit kiddly, kiddish and a little bit, uh, maybe even a little bit cheesy, yeah. it, but, uh, but I thought like it fit the, the narrative pretty well. And, um, and that character, I think when you have a character that's that lighthearted and that, um, kind of ridiculous, it al- it almost makes the the darkness of the necromancer, which will be his big nemesis, um, that much better. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Yeah. I I was a little thrown off by it, um, to be honest, uh, because I think we got the Radagast scene right directly after the scene where they're slaying the trolls. Yeah. Which was awesome. Um, and I was like, this is great. The trolls are actually talking. They didn't think they talked in the original three. Um, sure. So it was good. Good scene there. Um, so after that, it just turned into like Song of the South, you know. <laughs> and there's like, bur- <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought you're about like, 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 yeah, you're, you're like right. Yeah. There's just birds singing everywhere and like talking to him, and he's yeah. like roaming around the woods. Um, yeah. He's like, just making vaguely racist poop, comments. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was a little thrown off there, but yeah. I can see why it was a good way to introduce the um, terror of the necromancer. Yeah. I don't think we got the. And I, I, I don't, I don't think we got the um, giant spiders, did we? Uh, other than them crawling all over Radagast's house, I don't think we got a fight with the giant spiders yet, no. have we? No, I and imagine. I didn't think. I didn't. Part. I thought. I, because I remember watching it again, I was like, I don't think they do a fight scene with them. No. I might have missed that because I, I was pretty sure I would have remembered that. But yeah. we got that to look forward to. Um, overall, I'll agree with you. This is a successful film. It accomplishes what it needs to accomplish. It sets up the story in a fun yeah. way. It engaged the audience. It brought a lot of kids, a lot of young people to uh, introduce them to Tolkien. Um, yeah. And um, it's already made over a billion dollars worldwide. Right. So um, it's crazy to think that uh, the next two movies are pretty much pure profit for the studio. <laughs> yeah, um, right. And they're probably oh, going to make, you know, uh, they're probably spent a billion on all three of them. Uh, producing them and marketing them, probably a billion even, I would say, maybe a little more. Yeah. Uh, but they're going to make three or maybe even four billion when four. it's all yeah. said and done. It's crazy. Uh, crazy, crazy, crazy. Well worth, um, well worth it in my opinion, but. Well worth it. Um, and But we do have 
look forward to after this. Peter Jackson's directing the new Ten Ten sequel, so yeah, um, cool. It, it'll be good stuff, I'm sure. Um, any more thoughts on the Hobbit and Unexpected Journey, Brian? No, that's that's about it. I think I've rambled on enough and made, and this made is a one that we'll revisit. Myself. We'll revisit this one in December when um, when the Desolation comes out. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, st- subscribe and stick around for that. Um, if you if you're interested in Tolkien, because you obviously can tell we are, and you obviously are if you're listening to this podcast. Right. So, um, and even if you're not, we don't really care. You need to subscribe and listen anyway. I don't. Yeah. I don't Just feel like do we're going to give them a choice. That's you don't I mean, really don't have a choice. You have yeah, to subscribe. You're here, so, so you're you're point. stuck. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Brian, anything you want to mention? Um, I for recommend movie recommends for the end of the sure. show. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Work. I've I've been pretty busy this this last couple of weeks. Um, so I haven't hardly been able to get out to the theater except for the movie that we're going to talk about in our next uh, next our next podcast. podcast. But um, but I did rent a movie last week and uh, that I'll that I'll recommend. Um, it's called. It's a cartoon or an animated movie called Rise of the Guardians. Um, okay. It came out around. I think it came out at Thanksgiving last year, um, and it's based on. I believe it's based on a book, but I could be. I could be making that up. Uh, the premise is Santa and uh, the Easter Bunny and the Sandman and the Tooth Fairy and Jack Frost team up to stop this. Uh, stop this bad guy known as oh crud now I've, now I'm making myself look dumb. Uh, What's the opposite of Santa? Dark. Maybe. It's like the dark the, or something Satan? like that. Shoot, <laughs> I'm gonna vamp, vamp, vamp. Um, no, they team up to stop this guy who's making all these kids have nightmares. Um, and it's uh, I didn't see it. Pitch. That's his name. Pitch. Like as in pitch black. Um, sorry about that guys. Uh, anyway, no, it's a, it's a kid's movie. Say again. As in Riddick? Yeah, exactly. Pitch Black? No. Exactly. It's, it's actually just Vin Diesel. Um, they're, they're trying <laughs> to stop Vin Diesel. <laughs> that sounds um, awesome actually. Santa yeah. versus Vin Diesel. <laughs> no, but anyway, it's a kid's a movie. Um, but it's, it was really good. I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's not Pixar quality, but, uh, it's, it's a DreamWorks movie and it's, it's, to me, it's one of the better DreamWorks movies, um, that I've seen. So, uh, it's got really good voice talent. Chris Pine plays Jack Frost. He's kind of the main character. Alec Baldwin plays Sa- like a Russian Santa and he's pretty great. Um, Jude Law, Hugh Jackman. I mean, it, it's got a good, good voice cast and the, uh, the air, the narrative and the action are, to me, just right in the right balance of kids are going to enjoy this. It's not going to be too crazy for kids, but it's also um, entertaining and enjoyable enough for for adults. So, um, especially if you have a kid that's in that you know six to twelve range or whatever, six to ten, um, I definitely recommend that. But even if you if you don't, if you're just a creepy old man like me, um, it's it's really enjoyable. I, I, I had a good time watching it. Are you and surprised? It, are you surprised it didn't do well? Because yeah, I've read a lot. I, I I've, read a lot yeah. I've read a lot in the past couple of weeks about DreamWorks Animation Studios taking a huge hit and yeah. a lot, a lot of people getting let go because of this movie. Yeah, um, it took a major loss, and it, you know what? Yeah. I I am surprised because it's 
it's pretty good, and I don't know if it they, was. They said they're quote unquote reevaluating their entire animation studio yeah. after after this. So yeah, um, and so I don't. I I kind of feel bad for them on that front because I don't know what the the budget was. I'm looking to see here. Well, the budget was 140, million, so it's probably a little high. But even still, they, they said um, even though they made money, they're still losing money. I don't know how that's possible. Yeah, yeah. but uh, um, but it's it's decent, and especially in a year when there wasn't very many. There weren't very many kids' movies that were any good. Um, Wreck-It Ralph's great. Other than that, I guess Brave, but I would say Rise uh, of the Marines was the second. I was, I was honestly, uh, when the Golden Globes, the Oscar nominees got it right, but when the Golden Globe nominations came out and Rise of the Guardians was nominated and Paranorman wasn't, I was a little <laughs> offended because I'd seen Paranorman, and when I saw it, I was like, that's a shoe-in for a nomination right there. Yeah. Uh, so have you seen both? What do you, what do you, would you compare it to Paranorman? <laughs> I hate Paranorman. That was you hated it. <laughs> I hate it. It's one of my least favorite movies of the year. But but I will. Wow. I, I readily admit it's it has. You, very let me guess. You didn't see it in three D. Uh, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Did I'll you say like this. Coraline. It, Do you like stop motion? I really don't. And so that's that's there what I was going to say. There, I love stop. It motion. It has two strikes against it for me because I hate. I really don't like stop motion. If you can see I stop try. motion in three D. It's literally like clay figures walking yeah. around. It looks great. I, I tried to get into the stop motion. I just can't do it. But I'm I'm willing to give it a try. One of the I don't get Fantastic offended, Mr. Fox. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Well, I don't get offended by anything. Um, the one thing that really bothers me is when people make a kids movie that is not appropriate for kids. Yeah. And uh, and Paranorman was. Rango was that way too. But Paranorman was just so so inappropriate for for kids, and uh, and I hate that. That really, I mean, I work with kids in my real job, and so I'm sensitive to that. But um, so I readily admit that I there's no way that I could. <laughs> there was very little chance that I was going to be able to watch Paranorman as it is and and come out with a good grade because I I definitely it just. I don't know. There's like I said. There's very few things that bother me, and that bothers me a lot. So anyway. Okay. So uh, if you hated um, Paranorman, you'll yeah. like Rise of the Guardians. Rise of the, you're right. Yeah, that's that's about right. Cool. No, but it's enjoyable. It's it's worth seeing. Um, I'm sure it'll show up on Netflix or something before too long. But it's it's uh it's a decent little movie, and and in a year where there wasn't a whole lot of kids entertainment, it's uh it's up there as is one of the better ones. So I recommend. Yeah. My weekly recommend this week, I'm going to take a note out of the Richard Barden manual. The and, late, great Richard Barden. Uh, yeah, I just actually finished his obituary that I'll be submitting <laughs> submitting to the paper uh, after we finish recording this. But um, Yeah, we didn't tell the whole truth. Just, just We want to keep it clean for the yeah, papers. Yeah, right. right. Um, I'm going to take a note out of his. It's, uh, I'm going to recommend a book. Uh, All right. I, I've been on break, and um, I was in the mountains um, doing a little skiing, and it's good to always relax up there and to um, to to get get catch in a book um, or catch up on books. So I found one on Kindle uh, called John Carter and the Gods of Hollywood, and uh, it's basically um, about why John Carter as a movie didn't work. Um, and Brian, what are your thoughts on John Carter as a movie? Why do you think it didn't work? I actually uh, – that's a very interesting topic. I'm glad you brought that up. I actually wrote a blog about that um, either the week before or the week after it came out last year um, and just talked about what a mess the production had been just from the, from the, from the get-go. So I'm, I'm interested to read that book um, and see uh, what they have to say that, that, that I don't know about. But the, the budget was a problem to begin with, hiring a director who didn't know 
really how to make a movie outside of the Pixar system. I think Andrew Stanton's going to make a, a very good movie at some point. Um, but Pixar does things in such a different way than anybody else. And having him be in charge of a 200 or $250 million movie right off the bat was probably a bad idea. And they also, Disney made a huge mistake in terms of marketing the movie. Uh, just in simple things like the branding of the calling John it Carter. John Carter instead of John Carter of Mars because they felt like Mars alienated um, the average movie-going audience. But at the same time, by taking away the title that everybody knew, everybody who's a fan of sci-fi uh, writing, um, they took away a title that they had familiarity with and it kind of alienated the fanboys, which is what you need the most <laughs> to get a movie like that off the ground. Um, have you ever read any of the... The books, the the John Carter. Book. Uh, I haven't read the books. No, um, wasn't that familiar with it uh, before I saw the movie. I've gone <laughs> back and and researched more of the stories um, because it's really interesting um, premise. And the book uh, talks a lot about um, part of the reason they think it didn't work is because so much of the the John Carter story has been just raked by other stories. I mean, sure. uh, George Lucas, um, there's a whole chapter in the book that talks about all the stuff star Wars took from John Carter. Uh -huh. Um, even the names, uh, so, and, um, certain avatar scenes, does too. avatar. avatar yeah. Big certain that, scenes yeah. in particular, uh, uh, the scene in attack of the clones, the Coliseum scene, uh, -huh. um, yep. ripped, basically verbatim from John Carter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so when people see the trailer for John Carter, they're like, wow, that's just a ripoff of the Star Wars prequels. You yeah. know what I mean? That's what it yeah. looks like to me. Uh, but it's actually vice versa is that George Lucas ripped it from Edgar Rice yeah. Burroughs. So, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of stuff in the, in the book that talks uh, about why people were turned off to the film, why it didn't work. Um, and um, it, it's really cool so far. That's interesting. I'm I'm definitely gonna check that out. That's a that's a I like movie I like books like that about the I don't read hardly any books about Hollywood or about actors or anything like that, but the ones that interest me are the books that are about specific movies, uh the beh behind the scenes issues and things like that. I've read several books on uh on that that phenomenon and I think it's fascinating. Yeah. So and that, that's a great pick. I'm excited to it's a good to check that it's a out. good book. I recommend it. I um the author is Michael D. Sellers, S-E-L-L-E-R-S. -E um, so check that out. I think I got it for $3 on Amazon for Kindle. Um, so definitely buy it. Um, it just, yeah, it does a great job shedding light on why it didn't work and why the rights have been passed around from studio to studio. Yeah. Um, I think in the 90s they were they were trying to do it and Tom Cruise was attached. Um, yeah. There's so many, so many stories in there about um, about that. Uh, yeah. So, so definitely check it out. Did you have you seen John Carter? Have you I have. I I, uh, I rewatched it. I think uh, over the weekend um, uh, because I had started reading the book and I was like, well, I hadn't seen it since it was in the theater. So I needed. I felt like I needed to revisit it. And uh, I'm looking forward to finishing the book because yeah. um, I can honestly say I don't know why it didn't really work either. Compared to yeah. what what does work nowadays, you would think right. that it would have done better than it did. Um, yeah, I was gonna say I I would encourage our uh, our listeners to uh, to watch to watch John Carter and give it a shot. It's it, it's one of those movies that I think it just got bashed so hard before it ever even saw the light of day that there was no way it was gonna succeed. It was but, dead in the water. Yeah. yeah, 
But I'm not I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pre- I think it's on Netflix Instant. I don't uh, think so. Okay, maybe I'm lying and I saw that come across on the Anyway, it's worth checking out. It's not a bad movie at all. I gave it a, you know, a B or a B plus or something. Um, but I I enjoy it and it's a it's a decent little sci-fi movie that um people didn't really give a chance. So, if you haven't seen it, it's it's certainly not a horrible movie. You could definitely do worse things with your with your 2 hours. So, totally agree. Totally agree. Well, Brian, it's been good. Thanks for talking yeah, about man. The Hobbit. Um, I know we could have gone probably eight hours on The Hobbit, oh, yeah. uh, and we will someday, so stay, yeah. stay, stick around for that. <laughs> um, well, until next week, we will see you guys at the cinema. Goodbye. <laughs>